0: So you guys ready for the word of God? Let's get into the word. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 19 and we'll read verses two and three. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, um, really learning how to make quality decisions, learning how to make good decisions. You know, making good decisions is so important, you know, because, um, especially important in major decisions. You know, one, one wrong major decision can set you back years. You know, I mean, it can just mess you up for, for you know, just throw you off course for years. You know, you, you know, some of the most major decisions you can make is like, you know, who you going to spend the rest of your life with, right? Like, who are you going to get married to? You get married to the wrong person, man, that thing will tear you up for, for years, man. Ever, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you can suffer in a bad marriage, you know. My pastor always says that, you know, the closest thing you can get to going to heaven without actually going there is a good marriage. And the closest thing you can get to going to hell without actually going there is having a bad marriage. <laughs> man, I tell you, man, you know, you, when, you, when you're choosing who your mate is, man, you got to really, got to check those people out, man. That's why I don't, I don't marry people unless they've been together at least a year. At least a year at least, I would like for you to be together longer than that. Reason why is because when you first start you know, dating somebody, you're never dating a the real them. You're dating their representative. Because <laughs> everybody puts their best foot forward when they meet you. You know, everybody's on their P's and Q's when they, they're opening doors, you know, and stuff like that. You know, being real nice and giving you gifts, you know. I mean, all that stuff, in the beginning they do all that stuff because they're trying to get you, you know. But if you give it some time, the evil twin will show up. <laughs> and, and trust me, everybody has an evil twin. But it just depends on whether or not that's something that you feel like you can deal with and you can handle, you know what I'm saying? Because everybody got something that, that's up with them. Nobody's perfect, but me and Jesus, you know, of course. I'm just not. <laughs> But nobody's perfect, you know. So, you know, you always like, um, so you you meet somebody, start acting real kind and stuff like that. Then, you know, you give it some time, man. You know, the real them will come out. The real them, they'll come out, man. You got to find out whether or not he'll hit you or if she'll hit you. I see women beating up on men now. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's the new thing, you know, women beating men up, you know. So, I mean, you got to check it out. You got to wait for a while to see if something's going to go down. And then, you know, you have to give it a chance for euphoria to wear off. Because in the beginning, the first stage of relationship is euphoria. And it's like nothing they do is wrong. That's true. You know, and somebody else can see, like, you don't see what's wrong with this guy? You, you, you can't see it. You're blinded yeah. because, you're, you know, because of your infatuation with the person. But you got to give it time for, those, for that infatuation to wear off. And you can really recognize the real them know and start seeing the issues and then really make an equality decision you know one of the things that God asked me now me and Rev we we uh courted her for three and a half years before we got married and um you know God spoke to me right before we got married and said now you see you know you see her for who she is now if she don't change not even a little bit would you still want to be married to her you know and that was up to me to decide And I said, you know, yeah, I still want to be with her, you know. So now we get into a relationship, we get into a marriage, and there's no surprises. See, a lot of times people get into relationships. Now, this is not my message. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. But a lot of times people get into relationships, and they think, well, when I get married to them, they're going to change. That may not happen. They may not ever change. And you have to ask yourself before you get into that, can I deal with that can i can I put up with them doing that because that may never change. You know I used to watch um I think every generation in here has probably watched Jerry Springer. <laughs> I don't think i think I think he's been on t v forty five years or something like that. I don't know why he can still last, but He used to have the show where, you know, the woman would come on and and, uh, he'd be like, he wants me to change what I'm wearing. She got skirt up to here, you know, and and now he's married to her. He wants her to take it. No, I don't want her to wear her dresses like that. Well, that's what attracted you to her when you saw her. You wanted that and you made a decision that that's who I want to marry. Now that you got her, now you want her to change. You can't try to make her change now. If you don't want that, don't go after that. You have to, you know, because you you can't think that someone's going to just change, you know, once you get married to them. He's acting like a -a ding-a-ling, you know, and you think, well, once we get married, he's going to stop acting like that. He may never stop acting like that. And if you can't deal with it now, (laughs) when you got to deal with it 24-7, there's one thing when you can, you know, well, I'm tired of you, and you get up and you just go home. You are home. (laughs) You ain't got nowhere to go. You know, one person on one, you know, I saw this um, I saw this meme on TV, I mean on uh, Facebook, and it said, you know, it says, um, you know, all right, I don't care how mad you are, just put your leg on my leg and let's go to sleep. Because <laughs> look, man, once you get in that marriage, it is what it is, man, you're in it. Just go ahead and put your, yeah, okay, I know you're mad, okay, just put your leg on my leg and let's just go to sleep. <laughs> Because you're in it now. <laughs> All right, that's not my message. I can't get back to my message. <laughs> but that was for somebody. <laughs> Be careful who you get into a relationship with. Especially the person you're deciding who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Because, you know, when, when you're saved, man, you know, Jesus, now people get divorced and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, there is no out in scripture for divorce Divorce other than infidelity. That, that's, the only, that's the only out Jesus ever gave for people that were married. You know, people get div- divorced for crazy stuff nowadays, you know, for anything. You know, and if you want to make a decision to be in this thing, you stand before God. When you get married, you stand before God. And you, and you are confessing that this is, this is the death to us part, you know because it's a covenant it's a lifelong, It's a blood covenant which is the strongest covenant in scripture and he said, what well, God has joined together let no man put asunder all right let me let me uh, let me get on to my message i guess you know <laughs> so turn your bibles to proverbs chapter 19 and we're going to read verses 2 to 3 2 and 3 now i'm reading in the amplified version but this really blessed me it says there it Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. Now listen to this. And it says, and he who hurries with his feet, acting impulsively and proceeding without caution or analyzing the consequences, sins and misses the mark. He who hurries with his feet, in other words, makes rash decisions, makes quick decisions, without analyzing, without, without making sure you do a calculation of all of the pros and cons before you do it. Those that just act without thinking. It's as if, you be, if you're a type of person like that, then you're going you're gonna to miss the mark. You're going to sin and you're going to miss the mark. You, get, you have to count the costs up before you start making decisions, especially major decisions. You can't just make a major decision without putting together the facts, like getting married. You know, you got you to gotta get as many facts as possible. I mean, you got to check out people's families. I mean, you got to check stuff out, man. Nowadays, it's even worse, man. Because I remember, you know, when I was, <laughs> me and Rev was dating, I remember going to her, her house, you know. And uh, I looked on the wall, you know, to make sure, i never forget it. I made, I made sure that she was actually a little girl. I wanted to see the little girl photo. (laughs) Because people change everything nowadays, man. You get with somebody. I wouldn't even want to try to date nobody today, man. I mean, because I used to be like, yeah, I know. I would know if there was a woman. I would know. Nowadays, I I don't even know. Man, you get with. I saw one person. I saw one situation. So far off. But I saw this one situation, right? And there was this, you know, like, uh, she was a Chinese girl, right? And what she did was she, I mean, she completely had, she had plastic surgery, right? And completely redid herself. She was so beautiful, you know? But when you saw her, her, her original picture, it was like, oh, my God, you know? The husband got married to her. That's exactly right. He got married to the girl. And then he had children by her. And when he had the children, they looked like her. The real her. <laughs> and he was like, what the heck? Like, he looking like them like, what the heck happened to these kids? <laughs> like, and then they showed the, you know, the old picture, you know, <laughs> what she looked like before she got the prize of surgery, you know. Oh my gosh, she look, I mean the kids look just like her. I mean, she had strong genes, man. <laughs> you know, jeans were strong. And, looked, and then he, you know, he, he got divorced. I think he sued her or something like that. Like he sued her or something. False advertisement or something. I don't know what he sued her for. But, but the bottom line is you got to know what you're getting, man. You got to do the research. You know, you got to check the family out. You know, you got to see if they're crazy. You know, You know, stuff gets passed down. I mean, you know, there's, gener- there's a such thing as generational curses. Stuff gets passed down. Just like, you know, like, right, you got, you got Chaz, right? He can sing, man. All people in his family, I'm sure, can sing. Because it's passed down. It's one of those things, you know. It's passed down generationally. You know, crazy could be passed down. I mean, it could just be passed down generation- generationally, you know. So, you gotta be careful, you know, you gotta check it out. Go to a barbecue. See what they start doing at the barbecue. And people let it all hang out at the barbecue, man. (laughs) You start seeing all the crazy family members and what they do and gossiping and stuff like that. You gotta be like, y'all wanna be a part of this family? Because you don't just marry the person, you gotta deal with their family too. You can't have a person without their family. One of the things that I do, you know, when, I, we, do the, when we do the unity candle, when we can I marry people, I always say, you know, when you join together, you know, we're going to light, you're going to, you, you have one candle, one candle, right, two separate lives, and then you light the one in the middle, right, and then you blow out your individual candle, and that represents you coming together as one flesh, but not just the two of you, it's a blending of families too. You bring everything together. And, um, you know, you can't deal with their family and stuff like that. Well, you can't get away from them now. So you got to count all of the costs. You know, that's why the Bible says count the cost. You know, don't, don't be someone. It says, you know, that don't be a guy that begins to build without first counting the cost. He gets halfway done and then runs out of money. And then people laugh at him for not being able to finish what he started. Because he didn't count the cost. You got to count the cost, man. No matter what's going on, you got to count it. You got to count that cost. So it says that he who hurries with his feet, acting impulsively and proceeding without caution or analyzing the consequences, they sin and miss the mark. Then it says the foolishness of man undermines his way, ruining whatever he undertakes. Now, this is the part. Then his heart is resentful and rages against the Lord for being a fool. He blames the Lord instead of himself. Because what happens is when, when we make a bad decision, we got to have somebody else to blame but us. Yes. And usually God gets to blame. You get into a wrong relationship, you want to blame God, you know. Why'd you give me this guy, you know. <laughs> Actually, God, if God would speak to you, say, I, I tried to warn you a thousand times. When he was punching holes in the wall, you should have knew that you was next. I mean, like, you know, you get what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it, he he's, he's give, he give you the warning signs. And this is not just relationship. I don't know why I keep going back to relationships, but it's not just about relationships. This is about any kind of decision that you to take. This major one anyway. God will always give you warning signs. He's always trying to show you beforehand that this is a bad decision. This is a wrong move. Don't do this. But he won't force you to make a right decision. The choice is still yours. You know, we say that if God was going to interfere in anybody's decision, it would have been Adam in the garden. But he told him what not to do, and then he let he he gave him the free will to do it. And the same thing with you. He'll try to get over to you what you ought not to do. I remember man, I never forget it. I was I was I was buying this house. It was, I was younger. I was in my 20s, and I bought this three-family house in East Orange. And i never forget it. I'm sitting there, like, uh, getting ready to buy this place. And I mean, all of the warning signs was there for me to leave that deal alone, all of the warning signs. And I just, and in my definitely greed, no question about it, I was greedy. And I wanted it. And I bypassed all the warden signs and bought that house. And that, that house became a nightmare to me. I mean, it was like a, like a money pit. I mean, everything was going on with that house. But God knew it, you know, and he was trying to warn me. And then I'm sitting at another table about to buy another house. But this time I listened to God. I'm sitting there. I'm at the table, and I felt so I felt so uneasy. I'm sitting at the table, man. Everybody, of course, is gonna profit from me doing the deal. So I got my lawyer there, their lawyer's there, the realtors are there. They're all like, yeah, you know, everything's good, sign the papers. And I'm sitting there, man, I'm like, uh, on the inside, man, I'm just like, something ain't right, man, you know. So I got up. It was right before me and uh, Reb got married. I, uh, I called her. I said, you know, I'm sitting here at this deal, man, I'm about to close a deal on this three-family house, you know. And I just feel uneasy, man. I just don't feel right, you know. She said, well, run for your life. That's all I need to hear. I said, that's it, man. I said, I'm done. I'm not taking this deal, man. I left. But I don't I mean, but I knew, God. I mean, see, we got to get sensitive to God. Stop blowing past the warning signs. There are warning signs in the spirit, like stop signs, you know, like those amber lights, you know, those blinking lights. And and God is trying to give us a warning before we blow past it and get into an accident. He's trying to cause us to avoid accidents. But the worst thing is people make mistakes and then they blame God. Why would you let this happen to me? I can't believe you let this happen to me. I love you, you know, and we blame God. We make the decision, but we blame God for the outcome. that's what it says. His heart gets resentful and rages against the Lord because he blames the Lord instead of himself. And I just put a couple of things here. First of all, you know, there's a couple of real keys here. First of all, never make a decision without knowledge. And the Bible states that people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Ignorance destroys people, not having the facts, not making sure you have all of the details before you make decisions. It says, it it destroys people. And the bottom line is knowledge is having accurate and complete information. It's establishing the facts so you can make a thorough analysis of the decision that you're about to make. You should never make a major decision without having as many facts as possible. You should always look at all of the pros and cons before making a decision. If you don't do that, you're going to wind up missing an important detail. So don't be too quick or impulsive when making a major decision. Take your time and analyze things. If you don't, you're gonna wind up paying the price. You'll pay the price if you don't make sure that you get into the details. Check things out before you make decisions. You're gonna start a business, check things out. Do your research, do your homework. Whatever it is, you know, people, People get into these careers, you know? Uh, they go to school. Yeah, I'm gonna be a whatever, you know? And they just go to school. They don't, they don't check it out. They don't do no research on it, you know? Or oh, I can make money doing that. But will you be happy doing that? Well, I'd be happy doing that, but you don't, can't make no money doing it. <laughs> I mean, like, you, know, you, gotta, you gotta check it out. What's the likelihood of me getting something, getting some kind of a, you know, I was talking to somebody recently. And he say, yeah, I went to school for marketing. Got my degree. I said, that's great, you know. I can't find no job doing it. And I really want to do X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. But I can't. I got, no, I, I got my degree, but no job to do it. And she's, she's a secretary. Not nothing wrong with being a secretary. But if you go to school for marketing, and you want to be putting things on billboards and stuff like that, and you're stuck and now being a secretary, you're going to get frustrated. Because you're not doing what you're, you went to school for. You paid all this money. Now you're not doing what you're, but you got you to gotta analyze things. man. What, when, when I get out of here, what am I going to do? You know, what type of opportunities are going to be available to me? Or do I have to make my own opportunity? I told you, you may have to make your own opportunity. You may have to start your own business and do this freelance until you can, until you can do it full time. But you have, to make, you have to have a plan for it. So, which leads me to the second key, which is this. The unfortunate thing is that when a person makes a foolish decision and it doesn't work out for them, the worst thing that happens is they begin to blame God for it. And I put here, one thing is this. God is not to blame for your poor decision or your lack of paying attention to the details. Secondly, he's not obligated to make your poor decision succeed sometimes that's what people want. They, want. they want God to make their poor decision to succeed. And I put here, see, God is only obligated to fulfill his word and his will for your life. If you make your own decision without him, you're going to find yourself on your own, paying the price. So don't blame God when your idea doesn't work out for you. That's why he wants you to seek him for wisdom before you make the decision. See, we always begin decision-making process by seeking God. Now I'm gonna get into that in a minute because I wanna let me let me just get through this, um, you know, this foundation. Then we can get into some other stuff. Galatians six seven through nine. It says here, "Be not deceived; God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap." So. I put it here. See, determining what seed to sow and not to sow is one of the most important decisions you can make in life because you will reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. So you have to make a decision on what type of seed am I, see, every decision that you make is a seed. Every word you speak is a seed. Every action is a seed. And it starts here. Sowing a seed today, but the harvest doesn't come until the future. So oftentimes, poor decisions that you make today, especially if you repeat them, they're going to become harvests in the future. And you'll pay the price. So you got to determine what kind of seed you want to sow. For And then it goes on to say, for he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting, and then it says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, I just mentioned this, but every seed that you sow or decision you make has a positive or negative consequence attached to it. Some of these decisions are conscious, while others are unconscious. Nevertheless, once a decision is made, a chain reaction is set off. And I put here, the bigger the decision, the higher the potential for success or disaster entering into your life. The bigger the decision is, the more potential for either success or disaster coming into your life. Every decision has an outcome. Every decision that you make. That's why it's important to begin to analyze your decisions. The bigger they get, the bigger the price you'll have to pay if it's a poor decision. Now, I put here, poor decisions lead to poor outcomes. Every choice in life has either a positive or a negative consequence attached to it. That's why our choices are so vital. A poor decision can take years off your life and take you years off course. One poor decision could land you in jail. One poor decision could cause you to lose your job. One poor decision can cause you to get a divorce. Your decisions are seeds that have harvest attached to them. One poor decision sows a poor decision seed. And sooner or later, there will be a poor decision harvest that will be coming your way. And remember, the harvest is always greater than the seed you originally sowed. which is good news if you're sowing good seed. <laughs> but if the seed is a poor seed or a poor decision seed, it's coming back in harvest form. Number two, poor decisions, they, you know, they, they don't just affect you, but they affect everybody that's around you. And that's why you know, I'm talking about family, friends, and stuff like that. That's why you got to be very careful, you know? You gotta be very careful about your decisions, especially when other people are attached to you. You got children and stuff like that. Is is you're not just making a poor decision that involves you. It's gonna affect your kids too. That's true. I remember, you know, when I first, um, I was working for, you know, Prudential. I worked for them for 13 years. And when I first started working for them, I was really kind of doing my thing. I wasn't really working hard. I was really just doing my thing. And I just got saved and, um, but my my character wasn't good. I was saved, but my character wasn't good. So I wasn't working hard, you know, I just was kind of doing my thing and you know, I never forget it. I'm sitting there, I'm on the phone, I always tell a story, but I'm I'm on the phone praying for somebody. I'm at my, now my job is customer service. I'm on the phone praying for somebody. (laughs) And I'm praying, got my eyes closed, man, I'm praying real hard, you know. (laughs) I said, in the name of Jesus, you know. And I said, all right, you know, I'll talk to you later. Got off the phone, my boss sitting right there looking at me. She said, you know, you've gone too far. (laughs) I was like, yeah, man, I'm supposed to be working. I'm praying for people. (laughs) Now I'm thinking, I'm trying to be spiritual, right? I'm thinking I'm doing the right thing. I'm praying for somebody. But I'm getting paid to work, not to pray for people. Now I'm walking upstairs, man. I mean, I, I had all kinds of stuff going on in my life. So then I get married. And, you know, it's like it just hit me. I'm married now. Like, you can't be just doing stuff like this. Say, so, you know, you got somebody at home you got to take care of. You can't just be, like, out here doing your thing, man. I mean, you got to protect. See, when I was single, it was just like, you know, if you fire me, so what, man, you know? I get another job, something like that, you know, no problem, you know. Get unemployment, and, you know, like, when you, you know, I go home to mama, whatever, you know, like. You're not know, married, man, you know, you're a bachelor, you know, sleep in your car, you know, like, you, 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 you know, I, I used to say, man, I could sleep anywhere, man. like I could fall asleep on a park bench, you know, I can, whatever. But, you know, you got a wife now. You can't be having her sleep on the park bench with you. <laughs> you got you know, you got to protect her, you know. So I'm like, man, I got to get myself right, man. I got I to do my job, you know. And that's, that's, when the, that's when it clicked for me. I remember, I never forgot it. I called, I, um, I wrote this email to my boss and to my boss's boss. And I apologized to them for the way I was acting on, on the job. And I said, I promise you, I'm going to get it right, you know. I never forget it. And then, you know. A year goes by, I'm really working hard. I mean, I'm really working hard, doing really well. And then the following year, I started getting promoted. God started elevating me. And God showed me that just because you love me don't mean that you're just going to get promoted. You, you, now, I'll give you favor if you're doing what you're supposed to do. But you're not going to embarrass me I'm not gonna give you no promotion and you get over there and you're gonna embarrass me and talking about I'm a man of God and you ain't working. <laughs> so the minute I started doing what I was supposed to do, he started elevating me, started promoting me like crazy. I bypassed everybody that was promoted before me. But that's once I started doing what I was supposed to do. But that, that one decision, you know, I was, you know, doing my thing. Now, one decision that, that changed my life. I got married, and I was like, I got to change my life. I got to change what I'm doing on work. And I, changed, and I made the right decision. But that's, that starts happening to people, you know? Now, let's just talk about some of the processes for becoming wise. Because I, got, I got only got 15 minutes, and I got to get ready to close here. But turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. I'm going to try to hurry up and get through some of this. But Proverbs 19:20 in the Amplified, it says, listen to counsel, receive instruction, and accept correction, that you may be wise in time to come. See, in order to make good decisions, you got to learn to operate in wisdom. You got to become wise. You know what I'm saying? But there's a process for becoming wise. And God tells us here, he says, you have to listen to counsel, receive instruction, and accept correction. Those are the three things that in time will make you wise and I put here you know the Bible says that wisdom is the principal thing that means that it's the first in rank and in order and I put wisdom is one of the most important things that you can have in the spiritual sense it is defined as having insight into the true nature of things from God's point of view it is also defined as the application of the knowledge that you have accurately for results that is wisdom in other words You know, knowledge is having accurate information, but wisdom is using that information accurately for results. So you can be knowledgeable, but not use wisdom. You can know something and not do it. (laughs) So you have knowledge, but you don't have wisdom because you're not operating the knowledge that you have. If I asked everybody in here, you know, how many of you know that you need to pray every day? Probably everybody's hand will go up. How many of you you know that you need to read the word of God every day? Probably everybody's hands will go up. But then if I asked everybody, how many of you guys pray every day? How many of you read the word of God every day? Maybe not as many hands will go up. So you know it. (laughs) You have knowledge of it. You know that you you need to do it, but the wisdom is not there if you're not doing it. So that's the difference between having knowledge and having wisdom. And then the third level is having understanding. Understanding is knowing why. It's it's being able to, it's defined as being able to take it apart and put it together again. That's having understanding. In other words, you, 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 you understand exactly why it's necessary. Not just know that I have to do it in doing it, but why? That's having understanding. So wisdom is having knowledge and using it accurately for results. So it all begins with knowledge. Then it moves to wisdom, which is applying that knowledge that you have. And that's what really determines whether or not you're wise. So it says here the first thing was If you want to begin to walk in wisdom, it says you must, one, listen to counsel. In other words, listen to wise advice. It's always prudent to seek advice from, from people that are experts in the thing that you're trying to pursue. Stay away from the counsel of people that don't know what they're talking about. But seek people that have expertise and wisdom in the area that you're trying to get more wisdom about. When you hear wise counsel, listen to it. It's important to realize that you don't know everything. If you're going to grow, you must remain always teachable. If you're going to get better, you must be willing to learn what you don't know. That's also why coming to church is important. You don't know everything that you need to know about God. So you should seek wisdom from someone that knows more than you do. And I was put here, you know, for, for the sake of it, even I go to church because my pastor knows more about God than I do. And I want to learn more. And I put here, the most dangerous person is the one that learns a couple of scriptures and then believes that they know all they need to know about God. The danger is that most people have knowledge without wisdom. And having knowledge of the scriptures is not enough. You must live the scriptures. And until you do that, you don't have wisdom. I remember, I, I'll never forget it, I was, uh, one of my first ministries that I was involved in was prison ministry. And I used to go down to the, uh, the prison, the um, detention center in uh, Newark. And I remember this young man that went to our church got locked up. And I went in there to, to mentor him, to counsel him, you know. And he sits there and, you know, he wouldn't stop talking. You know, and then he quoted to me, i never forget it. He quoted to me the Bible, every chapter in the, every uh, uh, book in the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. Genesis, Exodus, I mean, he just like, all oh, do the whole thing like that. And I'm sitting there listening to him, you know, and I'm like, I can't even do that. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, but I said to him, see, he has knowledge, but he in jail. So he has no wisdom. He ain't, he ain't practicing that. He's quoting stuff, but it's, I mean, a parent, if you teach a parent to quote something, you know, he'll do it. I can do all things through Christ, you know. <laughs> that don't mean there's no power released when he does it. Ain't no anointing released when he does it because he ain't living no scriptures. He's just quoting it. Power's released. When, there's, when faith is released. And faith is an action word. It's not just believing, it's putting it to work. So people have, you know, knowledge, but no wisdom oftentimes. And that's why I said, see, listen to counsel. Listen to people that have, uh, you know, more wisdom than you in areas. Listen to people that have that kind of information. Don't, don't, don't think you know everything. You don't know, you don't know everything. There's always something for you to learn. And the beautiful thing about listening to people that have wisdom is that, you know, like making a decision could take years off your life. Listening to someone's counsel that has wisdom can also shorten your time for attaining what they already have. Because you don't have to make all of the mistakes that they made. They did say, well, you know, you, you can try this, you can try that, because you may bounce something off of them would be like, don't do that. I tried that. It don't work do this. And then that takes years of your life from trial and error instead of just you know, trying to figure it out on your own. Find someone that has it already and, you know, no need to recreate the wheel. Number two, it says receive instruction. So the first thing was listen to counsel, but number two is receive instruction. Particularly from the word of God. Now, see, there's a difference between listening to counsel and receiving instruction. Because counsel is the advice that someone gives you about a particular endeavor, but instruction is a directive or an order that's given to you. So you have to listen to counsel, but you have to receive instruction. In other words, when God gives you instructions, it's not up for debate, it's not a good idea. It's not a suggestion. You need to obey, especially if you want to begin to walk in the blessings of God. So you have to listen to counsel, but you have to receive instruction when God says that you need to do this or you don't need to do this. There's a reason why God tells you not to do certain things and why he wants you to do certain things. There's a reason why he tells you to give because really he's trying to do it as a, he wants you to do it as a seed so that he can give you a harvest. He don't need nothing from you. He's trying to get you to operate in a principle that he created. The Bible says that as long as the earth remains, there will always be seed, time, and harvest. As long as the earth remains. So he, he's trying to get you to practice a principle that he established. And if you'll practice it, then he can give it back to you in harvest form. And there's a reason why he tells you to avoid touching certain things. Because he's trying to protect you from what's on the other side of it. You can't see it, but he knows everything. There's nothing blocked from his wisdom. He sees everything. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He knows everything that can possibly happen to you in your life. And he always is trying to tell you, don't touch that. And you know the amazing thing about God? He already knows we're gonna do it. But at the end of the day, we'll never be able to say, Well, you never told me not to do that. Don't touch that. Leave that alone. We touch it anyway, and then we'll get in trouble. So, number one, listen to counsel. Number two, receive instruction. Number three, accept correction. Now, when you're wrong, you're wrong. Just repent. That's all. Receive the consequences for the wrong action. Own up to your mistake without blaming others and move forward. I always tell my people that when you mess up, don't plead your case. Just plead guilty and plead the blood. That's it. So accept correction. You know, God may correct you for making wrong moves. But that's all right. The Bible says that if you're a son or a daughter, then he'll correct you. If he does not correct you, then you're not his son or his daughter. You're not his if he don't correct you. Like like if you're a parent, you correct your children. If you're not, if you're not corrected by God, you're not his child. Correction is all about love because he wants you to walk in the right way. That's it. So just accept it. You know, that's that's the the issue that happened with with Cain was that he didn't didn't accept correction. God told Cain, you know, if you do well, won't you be accepted? And if you don't, then sin is lying at the door. If you want to do your own thing, you're, you're, you're allowing sin to enter your life. But instead of receiving the correction and doing what he was supposed to do, he kills his brother because he was accepted by God. So just accept it, okay, I'm wrong, I repent. Let me do the right thing and let me move forward. That's all. And it says if you do that, then you'll, you'll, begin, to, you'll begin to walk in this wisdom that I'm talking about. And your decision making will be much better. Now I wanted to get into the process for making wise decisions, but I, I can't. If I get into this, I'll, you know, I won't, I won't make it. I'm gonna pick up on this next week. But I wanna just talk about the process for making wise decisions. Like, and this is really what I go through. When I'm, when I'm analyzing a situation, when I'm trying to determine what decision to make, this is the process that I go through. You know, because sometimes you know, people just need, break it down for me, make it practical. You know, what, what do you do when you're trying to make a decision? Especially a major decision so i 'm going to do that, but i 'll pick up on it next week because i don 't want to start it today and not and i' definitely won 't be able to finish it but sunday i'm i 'm going to get into it but again i 'm going to close right here, but today the, the foundation was laid, just so that you understand you know life is all about making the right decision, you know one thing that um, one thing that um, Billy Graham's son said about his, his father, about Billy Graham, he said, I've, I've seen my father make mistakes, but I've never seen him make a major one. And he's one preacher that you, they call him Americans, pastor. Man, no scandal, man. You know what I'm saying? He was, he was, and to be big like that and have no scandal, no scandal, man. You know, he, he he stayed focused, made the right decisions. You know what I'm saying? Didn't go to the left or to the right, made the right decisions. See, and if, and if it's all right, you know, everybody's gonna make mistakes. The key is, don't make no major mistakes. Try your best not to make a major mistake. Because that is what sets people back. And that's what hurts people so much because, You know, you could be doing well and then making one of those mistakes and it just throws you back. So stay focused. Next week, I'll pick up on this. But just everybody, just lift your hands to Jesus. We're going to close right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just, Lord, we thank you for speaking to us today. And I I pray that this word, that it be burned in our people's hearts because this is an important one. This this word, right, this message is extremely important for our people. We need to make sure that we are analyzing the facts before we make major decisions. We don't want any decision that we make to throw us off course. We wanna stay focused. We want to make, We wanna make the right moves. We want to make the right decisions so that we can have right outcomes. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that your people heard this word today and that they will begin to analyze every decision that they make, particularly with relationships, who they're going to get involved with. Let our people stay, I mean, just really get the facts on people that they deal with. And that can be a romantic relationship, a business relationship, even a friendship. Even having a wrong friend and confiding in a wrong person could mess your life up. Just grant us the grace to choose our relationships wisely. And Father, we just thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Come on, just give Jesus a praise. And a close. <clears throat> you know, that's something I just heard that, you know, you can, you can have a friend. And, you know, not, not everybody is qualified for access into your life. You got to qualify people to, you know, to have access into your life. I don't call everybody Friend. You know, I have very, very few friends. Because if I call you friend, that means I I mean I there's a level of trust that's been built. Because trust is like a bridge. It needs to it has to be built. And that's over time. And you trust your information, your personal information to the wrong person and they go start spreading that stuff, it could destroy you, you know? on the inside and then and then now now it causes you to have unforgiveness and then that begins to block your prayers so not just a romantic relationship it could be friends it could be i mean just making sure that you know this person is a trustworthy person this is somebody that can be counted on not because they say they are but because they've proven it and it takes time to prove that so just, just be very careful you know, before you let somebody into your, your, your heart. You know, Jesus had levels of relationships. You know, I was going to go over this scripture, but, you know, the Bible says that now he has all of these people following him. And, you know, the Bible says that he spends all night in prayer before he chooses 12 of them to be close to him. Multitudes, hundreds, thousands of people following him. Hundreds of people calling themselves his disciples. But he decides that he prays all night. He spends all night in prayer seeking God about who was gonna be the twelve people that's gonna be close to him. And then he had those twelve, and then he took only three of them with him as he did special miracles. And he even told them, you know, when they saw certain things, don't say nothing about this, you know. And then he had one, which was John, who was the closest to him, that leaned, you know, on his breast, you know. So he had levels of relationships. He didn't just let everybody on the inside. And that's what happens. Oftentimes we let the wrong person inside and they do something to us and break our heart. And then. It can destroy us almost from trusting anybody ever again. So just be careful with that. Qualify people for access into your life. All right. We're going to get ready to close right here.